0: Hello, friends. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 2 of I Have Been Through Some Shit, the podcast. My name is Dawn, and I, like you, have been through a lot of shit. I am a narcissistic and domestic abuse survivor, and in order to combat my fears, I decided I was going to learn everything there was to learn about narcissism because knowledge is is power. A lot of times I am learning right along with you guys, and I will never stop. Today's episode is pretty hefty. It is a hot topic at the moment. And if you are a parent of a young adult, or if you're child will soon be coming of age, specifically the ages uh, 15 to 24 I'm going to be talking about today. This episode is for you. So how do you know if your child is in an abusive relationship? We need to open this dialogue and talk about it, and honestly, I have a lot of information for you, and I feel like I'm just scratching the surface, but we have to start talking about it. Um, the wrong thing to do would just be to sweep it underneath the carpet and not have a dialogue, so let's open this up. What are some of the things that you need to be looking for in your children? Well, that's what we're talking about today on I Have Been Through Some Shit, the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Dawn, and like I said, stick around, and we're about to get started. All right, thanks for sticking with me, so let's get right to it. So is my child in an abusive relationship? Well... So many of us have children that are dating age. And if yours aren't dating yet, they soon will be. And it seems like they start earlier and earlier now, um, just, you know, talking. Now you have the talking phase. Now, when I was growing up, it's like it was going out, like you were going out with somebody. But now you have talking, quote unquote. Then you have, like, I think then you're formally asked, like, will you be my boyfriend, girlfriend? So then that means like you're, quote unquote, going out. But you have everybody starts in the talking phase and the talking phase might not um, lead up to the going out phase because some things don't go past talking. I know it's like crazy. So I just have learned all of this stuff and I've learned it from like the people that are close to me because this is going on around me right now. So I had to get like the total specifics and the rundown on the talking phase. It's just very interesting. Let me know if you've had this happen in your household or if you've heard it going on. So, um, all right. So teen dating violence is widespread. Experts predict that 1 in 11 females and 1 in 14 males report dating violence. That's important, report, and are victims of abuse from a dating partner. The CD says that CDC says that young women from ages 16 to 24 experience the highest rate of violence and teens are either afraid or embarrassed to come forward because, uh, they don't want to admit what's going on to them or going on with them. And they certainly, uh, they might not even realize that it's happening, especially if it's more like emotional abuse. So let's really, let's dig down into this. So as we know, As their parents and their caretakers, there are some things that do not equal love. So let's go through some of those things excessive jealousy, different controlling behaviors, and violence do not equal love. But also, as we all know, they don't start out hitting you, belittling you kicking you, calling you names. It doesn't start out like that. It starts out really wonderful and all of a sudden you're in this thing you did not sign up for. And I know a lot of us adults can relate to that. So you can see how it would—it can happen to someone who's of dating age as well. Abuse comes in many forms. So first, we're going to have the physical, which is the hitting and et cetera. It's going to leave a physical scar. The verbal and the emotional. And this is going to happen when the person tries to scare the person that they're dating or isolate them from friends, friends and family in order to control them. We've got yelling and name calling. Also, you could have making false accusations. That is a form of um, abuse. We've got psychological aggression, which is verbal or nonverbal with the intent to harm. You have stalking, which is a pattern of repeated or unwanted attention that causes fear for one's own safety. And let's be honest, it's not like just they're going to drive past your house anymore. I mean, there's so many ways to stalk. Stalking online, stalking your socials. And these kids, you know, they have more than one social and then they have more than one account on those socials. So uh, there's a lot of different ways for all this to take place. All right, then there's sexual abuse. Any kind of sexual abuse that is not agreed upon. So statistics, and let me get my source on this, you guys. I believe this is still from the CDC. Statistics uh, from uh, what they have conducted, the surveys that they have c- conducted, for, this is sexual Abuse. One in eight females, one in 26 males have reported sexual dating violence. 26% of women and 15% of men who were victims of uh, contact, sexual violence, stalking, or physical violence in their lifetime first experienced these forms of violence prior to the age of 18. That's huge. Of course, you know, like from, okay, let's say that from the age that they could possibly have their their first cell phone, 12, let's just say, um, from 12 until the age of 18, they've experienced these things. If you are a later adult, you've experienced these things between that age group. That's a lot to have on the shoulders of an adolescent in those age groups. All right, let's talk about electronic aggression. So this could also be called cyber bullying. And this increases the risk of abuse. There is a growing concern about this type of harassment as it makes it easier to tease, slander, spread rumors, or even threaten someone. These kids have access to email, chat rooms, instant messaging, Snapchat, Twitter, TikTok, texts. Uh, Let's see. You can send pictures. You can send videos. All with their cell phones right in the palm of their hands. And that is freaking scary. And we've had the conversation over here that one picture doesn't just stay for one person's eyes. You know. Yep. (laughs) Yep. You got to talk to these kids about these these things immediately. Immediately, electronic aggression um, it provides a space for uh, perpetration of teen dating violence. In addition, sexting is a major concern among youth. And in 2011, a study of youth ages 10 to 17 found that, number one, a total of 9.6% of youth reported they had experienced in created, received sexually explicit or nearly nude images, 9.6%. Number two, 25% of youth who created images or received images reported feeling upset were extremely embarrassed. 25%. Number three, romance was the common reported reason in being involved in sexting through pranks and attempting to begin a relationship was also reported. Let's go back to electronic aggression as cyberbullying. Okay. So back in 2006, in my area, you can Google this case, Megan Meyer, M-E-I-E-R. She committed suicide three weeks before her 14th birthday in 2006. Lori Drew, who was the mother of a young lady who lived down the street from the Myers, was created a false account under a boy's name of Josh Evans on MySpace in order to harass Megan, who, like I said, her daughter had a falling out with. And you can Google that. Uh, All of the information is out there. Uh, When I was going through the divorce I went through with ex-NARC, I went to a support group at our local parish church, and in the front hallway of the church, uh, I was there on a Friday evening uh, for my support group, and um, they were making preparations for this funeral, and it's always stuck with me because I was the mother of two very small children, And, um, this story, since I'm in the area was very, um, it was, it was covered. It was covered a lot and it should have been covered. Um, So in 2007, the city of Dardine Prairie passed an ordinance that prohibited any harassment that utilizes an electronic medium and including the Internet, text messages, pagers and similar devices. Violations are misdemeanors with fines up to five hundred dollars and 90 days in prison. In 2008, in August, new legislation went into effect that expands the definition of harassment to include knowingly intimidating or causing emotional distress anonymously by phone or electronically or causing distress to a child. The penalty is a felony four years in prison if it is committed by an adult against someone 17 or younger or if the criminal has been previously convicted of harassment, the bill is called "quote unquote" Megan's Law, was passed unanimously into the Missouri legislature to criminalize usage of the internet uh, to harass someone. That's important to know. That all of that is out there, um, and I know that um, the Myers are—they um, do a lot. Uh, to raise money and um, also raise awareness for cyberbullying. So good for them for turning something absolutely horrible into something good. What a legacy that their daughter, that they've done in their daughter's name. Moving on, let's talk about reproductive coercion. This has also been reported to be a factor in intimate partner of violence. What is a reproductive coercion? Well, this is a behavior that includes explicit attempts to impregnate a partner against her will, control outcomes of a pregnancy, coerce partner into having unprotected sex, or interfering with birth control methods. All of this behavior is intended to maintain power and control. Let me give you some examples. Number one, hiding, withholding partner's oral contraceptives. Number two, breaking or poking holes into a condom. Number three, not withdrawing when that was the agreed upon mode, method, of, uh, you know, (laughs) I'm like, I'm, I'm just totally tripping up over my words over here. When that, when that was the method that was agreed upon. Okay. I mean, oh my gosh, you guys, I'm just like reading this now. Listen, when I was these ages, you couldn't have told me any of this. Like you could, I, I would have, Sat there and just looked at you with a blank stare and go, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, like, can I go to my room? Like, I don't want to have this conversation. I, I mean, I, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> now, here I am. And I'm reading all of this. And I have, I mean, let me tell you, all of of the research that was done to get this information, and like I'm horrified as a forty five year old woman but I'm thinking about like my sixteen year old self going what you don't you don't fucking know anything about it <laughs> like, oh, God anyway, all right, so the next way that we could be harmed when we're dating is sexual coercion. Let's get back on track. This behavior includes repeatedly. Uh, pressuring a partner to have sex, threatening to end a relationship if they don't have sex, forcing sex without a condom or not allowing other methods of birth control, intentionally uh, exposing a partner to an STD or STI. Because they're called STIs now, people. So you better you better get your facts straight. So, um Yes. STIs, not STDs. If you say STD, you're dating yourself. This is what that I have learned. All right. So what are we going to look for, you guys? Like, what are we going to look for in our kids? Like, what am I? I don't don't know. It's like they're moody. I don't freaking know. I mean, what am I supposed to look for? Well, in the next segment, I'm going to tell you what to look for. Stay tuned. Okay friends, let's get into this from familydoctor.org. What are some of the things that we need to be looking for that our child might or children could be in an abusive relationship? Let's get into it. And this is genderless, okay? This is for boys, girls, no matter whom you date, no matter how you date. Doesn't matter. All right. So let's get into it. Number one, your child's partner is extremely jealous or possessive. Number two, their partner puts them down. Number three, their partner makes all of the decisions, where they're going, where they're eating, who they're hanging out with, if they're hanging out with anyone else at all. Number four, your child has stopped spending time with friends and family. Red flag. If your kid, now this, here's the deal. These kids, let's talk specifically. Let's talk like 15 to 19. They're in and out of the house. They're at their job. They're with their friends. They're at their activities. Um, so they're really, they are not home a whole lot. But if they are just going and spending time with the partner, wherever the partner is, and they're not coming to your house, that's a huge red flag. That is a red flag for a parent or a caregiver. Like, why can't you come here? Do they not want to come here? do you not want to come here? Are you not allowed to spend time here? Well, this is, this is something that needs to be addressed. Number five, if you are seeing unexplained marks or bruises, that's it's questionable. We need to know what's going on there. Number six, your child is over anxious and his or her grades have dropped. If you've got a good student, this is more than uh, you know, we're we're dropping a few points here or there. You know, I mean, if you're experiencing big grade drops, um, that's something to look at. And the over anxious or the over zealous or the, um, I'm hyper aware of uh, what's going on, where I'm at, uh, who I'm talking to, like uh, hyper vigilance. You know, I mean, and it's exhausting to see. If you've ever seen somebody that's a total nervous wreck, this is what. We're talking about here okay they just cannot calm themselves they're just they're up they're up and they're waiting they're waiting like and and they're just waiting for the shoe to drop they're scared they're going to do something wrong it's just like that okay yeah and i've actually been a person that lived like that it's just that i wasn't younger i was older and married at the time and it's exhausting so okay number seven if your child loses interest in activities that they once loved Red flag. Number eight, your child is dressing differently, wearing clothing that is baggy or is hiding his or her body. Red flag. Number nine, your child has to, quote unquote, check in with their partner frequently or has to return texts right away. Now, listen, like they return texts right away. So this is not really. But if they're like, oh, my, you know, if I don't, I'm I'm, if they're panic stricken because they can't return a text like that, that should that should not be. And, and I mean, listen, you check in with me. You check in with your caregiver. You check in with your mother, your father, whoever is responsible for you. I mean, you don't, should not have to check in with the person that you're dating. No, 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 no. Number 10, your child worries about how their partner will re- react in given situations. This is, oh my gosh. Now, as a married person, I dealt with this. Like, I was so worried about this person going off all the time or how they were going to, you know, treat this person, that person. Like, like we talk about that hyper vigilance mode. Like, you want to take up for them constantly. If your teen is doing that for their, their partner that who they're just dating, red flag, red flags all over that thing. Number 11, your child blames themselves for how their partner acts. Now, listen, and this is what I say, and this is what I say to every you, everyone. I don't care how old you are. You are not responsible for another person's, the way that they feel about something or the way that they act. Nothing that you could do could make a person act or feel or react. Th- that is free will. Your friends, your intimate partner, uh, your husband, your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend. Like, look, you might be upset, but that doesn't give you the right to scream, yell, hit, kick, threaten. Um, that, that's, not the, that's not your fault. It's not your fault how somebody else acts. That's their fault. And sometimes it's hard for a young person to wrap their mind around that because they internalize everything. Now, even as a 45 year old woman, you know, I'm like, listen, I, you know, over the past several years, I'm like, listen, if you have a problem about the thing, that's your problem. You're going to have to work through it. I'm not responsible for you. You are responsible for you. So that's what we're talking about. Or we're talking about that. So let's see. Now, the next thing that I was going to delve into was how in the world do you get your teen to talk? I mean, really, like how can we get these teens to open up to us? Um, Well, that's what I'm going to talk about in the next segment. So stay tuned and we're going to dive real deep into that. Be right back. So how do you get your teen to talk to you? Well, here's a couple of things that hopefully will help you be able to get your teen to talk to you. If you suspect that your child is in an abusive relationship, you can help. We just have to know how to go about it because if you're like me, we're jumping in to the deep end, full throttle, but that might get them to close off to you. So here are a couple of ideas of ways that you can get your teens to open up. How you talk to your teen is so important because if you don't prepare yourself Or you have an accusatory tone, they're not going to talk to you. They are going to totally uh, disengage, shut down, and it will be over. So, what can we do? Well, we need to prepare. Prepare before you bring up whatever you want to discuss. Inform yourself about healthy and unhealthy relationship qualities, go into the conversation with the attitude that you are helping them to spot unhealthy or abusive behaviors. So, we're going to talk about it. We're going to discuss it. Let's discuss what this looks like, okay? And in, in any of this, um, you know, I talk about a lot about, like, narcissistic abuse, um, but, it, I mean, really in anything, emotional abuse, um, physical abuse, uh, to learn why these things happen and why people act this way towards others Your knowledge is your power. That's why there's so many people that once they get to a certain point in their recovery of whatever they're going through, they want to reach back and help others. Because you have learned so much and you've submerged so much of yourself into learning, like, what the fuck? That, um, okay, it all makes sense now, right? So, Um, Same thing for this with your teens. Um, But as a parent or a caregiver, um, uh, don't get me wrong. It is hard to look this up. It's hard to read about these things, but your knowledge is your power. And then you can have educated, really, really deep down, very good conversations as opposed to not knowing what the hell is going on. And, And listen, and you, I mean, you might be totally blindsided and not realize that any of this was going on and you're totally taken off guard give yourself a break okay but in my recovery from the things that i have been through which i've been been very open about on the podcast knowledge knowledge is power and for teenagers as well because you know like they don't know you know wtf they just and a lot of times we still don't either right so arming yourself with information is powerful next find the right place to talk if you go up to your teen and you say we have to talk well you can just forget it because I know even myself if my husband comes to me and like hey you know what we we need to talk I'd be like "Mm -mm, no no not today you know no I mean right then I'm like I'm triggered I'm out I'm out the door I'm doing errands I mm -mm, no 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 Mm -mm, don't come up to me like that no so if I'm gonna approach my teen and I go you know what we need to talk I'll make it forget it absolutely forget it. Not happening. That will not work. Instead, find a casual place to talk. Let's say Starbucks or in the car, maybe while you're um, or while you're watching a television show together. Um, Just make it a casual setting um, where your teen will be more comfortable. You might only get bits of info here and there. So, You just need to keep gathering the little bits of info as you can, but make it comfortable. You know, nobody's going to talk if they're, if like I just said, hey, man, we need to talk. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Mm -mm. I don't think anybody responds well to that. All right, next, tell your child what you see. You can point out some of the things that you've noticed. Like you can say, for example, I noticed that you've been quiet lately. Is there anything going on? Or, I've noticed that your grades are slipping. Is everything okay? Is there anything that you want to talk about? Can I help you with anything? Next thing that we can do, remain calm. Right. I mean, listen. That's something that I've had really had to work on. I mean, and I'm Spanish and Italian. So, I like to pop off and then calm down. So, really... This has been um, very laborious for, <laughs> for me, but I, I've made strides. I can say I need to pat myself on the back, but listening calmly, let your teen take the lead in the conversation. It takes a lot of courage for him or her to tell you what's going on in, he, in their lives, and they might even feel ashamed. So it's hard for adults to open up about abuse. So for teens, the calmer that we are, the more chance that they will open up, focus on behavior and not the person, okay, so let's say your son has been dating a girl, and we like her. we like her, you know, she seems perfectly fine, but there's some behavior we just are not so sure about instead of saying, "I just can't stand that girl, this, that whatever that, that's gonna push that child uh to that young lady. Okay. He's going to become more in love with her. He's going to become more infatuated with her. So what we need to do is say, you know what? I know that you like her and you know what? I like her too, but there's something that she does that I just, it just, it gets on, it kind of gets on my nerves. It irritates me and it makes me feel a certain kind of way. So focusing on the behavior. And now listen, you might hate that. You might hate this little girl. I mean, you might absolutely, totally hate her and want her gone, but that's not going to work. Okay, that is not going to work. And it's hard to watch the whole thing play out, but it will. It will play out. Um, And uh, we just need to focus on the behavior and not the individual. So uh, your child might not be willing to hear that his or her partner is not a good choice. So speaking poorly about their partner will push them further towards he or she. So put an emphasis on the action not on the person separating the two probably gets you further in the conversation. So instead of like, I just don't like that little girl. She's nasty. Uh, You know, she treats you like shit, you know, whatever say, you know, I don't like that. She doesn't let you do blah, or I don't like the way she speaks to you about X, Y, or Z. Right. Right. Okay, moving on. Believe what you hear and this is a lot of of uh for adults as well. A lot of adults when we find out or somebody confides in us that let's say your dear friend uh male or female has been in an abusive relationship. If you've never seen that part of that person act that way to your friend, you might be like, well, I just can't believe it. I don't believe it. Don't do that, okay? If somebody is coming to you and they trust you enough to say, look, I need to confide something in you, the worst thing that you could say to them is that, I can't believe it. Why didn't you leave? Or, um, you know, I-, I just I just can't believe what you're saying, okay? Same thing for a teen. Um, It will be torture to hear what's been going on, but it makes it worse if you're going to question them or doubt them. So what I would say is offer unconditional love and support and let them know that you believe them, that you believe what they're saying, and that you're there for them no matter what. I, as an adult, would want somebody to speak to me that way. So... Right next, create a plan of action. Ask your teen, what do they think the next step should be? If the answer is to break up, then make sure that there is a safety plan in place. Speak to the school, to the counselors, to the principals, et cetera. So um, those are just some things to think about that, you know, we can do to help. A lot of times we feel like there's nothing that we can do, but yes, there is absolutely there is. And we'll get very far if we just go about it in the correct manner for our children. In the next segment, I am going to talk about things that you should consider if you think that your child is in an abusive relationship. Stay tuned. (laughs) Let's talk about things to consider if you think that your child is in an abusive relationship. And also, I am going to give you some resources at the end of this podcast because resources are huge for this. Um, so let's talk about first the things to consider. If you feel that your child is in danger, from FamilyDoctor.org, consider contacting law enforcement. If there has been physical abuse, make sure that your child's doctor records and or treats the child. and. They might not want to do that but if if they need if they need help they need help. So and if they have to be treated they have to be treated. So um it's important to just stress that as a caregiver. Have your child tell his or her partner over the phone that they do not want to see him or her anymore and be close when the conversation is happening. Your child should avoid contact with the partner if at all possible encourage your child to always walk with someone in school in the parking lot um, just to not ever be alone if possible have their phone um to let's see let's like maybe have a code word or safe word that they can text you if they feel like that they are in danger safe words are are wonderful to have for a multitude of different reasons um if you've been in a volatile relationship uh they're extremely important Get your child into a therapist who specializes in abuse, intimate partner abuse, narcissistic abuse. And you should be able to Google people around you um, with those specifications. Make sure you type in those specifications. And listen, because of COVID and because of a lot of the kids having been homeschooled over 2020, a lot of these therapies, these therapists are full and they're not taking Any more adolescent clients. However, they can always refer you to different people that they know. So keep that in mind and just don't lose hope of finding somebody for your kid. Listen, mental health is wealth. Your health is wealth and your mental health is your wealth. So it is extremely important to get the mind right, especially after this kind of abuse, any kind of abuse, right? So let me give you some resources that are super important the National Domestic Violence Hotline. You can chat live on the site. You can text START to 88788. And the phone number is 1-800-799-SAFE. Now, additionally, you can go to the loveisrespect.org site, that loveisrespect.org. And you can call one 866 Three one one nine four seven four. You can chat live on that site, and you can also text Love Is L O V E I S one word to two two five two two. That is an offset of the National Domestic Violence Hotline, but the Love Is Respect site is more for adolescents dating ages when you get to the love is site there will be a white box that comes on and it says if you feel that your internet is being uh, monitored and it will tell you exactly what to do and as you enter on the site you will find information on lgbtq plus relationships and advice you will find um uh when your family doesn't like your partner There's a blog on there about that. Um, There also is a blog for um, ending unhealthy relationships. And also, uh, do relationships really take work? And this um, site, uh, the loveisrespect.org site, they specialize from ages 16 to 24. Now, the National Sexual Violence Resource Center, NS v r c dot o r g i'll put this all in the show notes for you guys this site is for young and for uh, young women um, that provide resources and answer to your questions about um, sexual violence and also provides resources and finds help if they have been victims of this type of violence so again that is N as in Nancy, S as in Steve, V as in Victor, R as in Rick, C as in cat.org. But like I said, I will put in the show notes for you guys, the National Domestic Violence Hotline, which is the hotline.org, the loveisrespect.org, which is for ages 16 to 24. And then also the National Sexual Violence Resource Center, nsvrc.org. All right. I got to tell you, this has been a lot of information. I actually had to take a break in the middle of uh, recording this because I like had to take a breather. Um, Not going to lie. Like I said, I feel like this is a full circle moment because, you know, my 16-year-old jerk self... Um, you know, now I'm sitting here as 45 and um I'm just like, God, I mean I owe my parents like a a huge thank you for just uh, being there for me and um God, I don't even just putting up with my bullshit, basically. I mean, I gotta tell you, because I'm kind of in where they were now. I'm there and my mom, you know, it's funny, she's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all she really says mm-hmm <laughs> you know. and I'll ask her questions she's like oh my god I don't please like please you know I can't remember and I'm like what do you mean you can't remember you know I'm saying? <laughs> so let's just recap that how you approach your teen in any situation but especially in the situation in these type of situations is of huge importance if you like me you want to jump in you know and you want to solve all of the problems you want to make them go away but remember these teens they take their emotional cues from their caregivers and the last thing you want for for them is to close themselves off so the most important thing that i can tell you from researching all of this is to stay open and loving And let them know that you are in this together and that it is not their fault, okay? Listen, what other people do is not your fault. It's their fault, okay? It's not your fault if somebody cheats on you. That's their fault. It's not your fault if they hit you. That's their fault. It's not your fault if for their behavior. No, everybody is accountable for themselves. So, that is, I think, a huge takeaway from this as well. We want to always, well, the young people always want to take things upon their own shoulders and a lot of adults too. So, I got to tell you, um, important messages here for uh, young people and adults as well. So, again, Thank you for joining me for this is Season 3, Episode 2 of I've Been Through Some Shit, the podcast. Again, my name is Dawn. I've been through shit and I know you have too. Let's stick together and we'll get through all of it together, okay? Stay tuned because I think, let's see, Episode 3, I'm still working out right now. Not quite sure what that's going to be, Um but I have a very long list of things that we could get to. That's for darn sure. But I thank you so much for being with me today. Again, you can find me on my socials at Ben Through It. That's at Ben underscore through T H R U underscore it on Instagram. That's the podcast site. And then also at Survivor Nation, one word on TikTok. Huge, huge, um, you know, uh, area on TikTok for abuse survivors. Lots of people um, helping a lot lot of different victims over there. So, all right, you guys, thank you so much for being with me today and I will be back with you soon. Thank you so much for listening.